As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Last year in Kansas City, we had 150 homicides. About 40% of those cases in Kansas City remain unsolved. Many of them are considered cold. You know, if it wasn't for my faith in God, I'd probably be walking down the middle of the traffic just to get rid of the pain. Each victim has a unique story in life and death with friends, family, detectives, and prosecutors all fighting for justice. We don't want no harm. We don't want no retribution coming to nobody. We just want justice. We are joining the case to get answers. This is Fox 4 Problem Solvers Crime Files, the podcast. I'm Kara Small. 48 hours of violence gripped Kansas City in May of 2017. As calls flooded 911, police rushed to investigate the circumstances surrounding several shootings that injured six people and killed two others. The shootings, with a total of eight victims, set a staggering pace for Kansas City, Missouri, and an exhausting one for detectives and families facing the emotional fallout. One of the people killed during those dark hours surrounding May 24th was 28-year-old Antonio Hughes. Hughes was born and raised in Kansas City. He graduated from Paseo Academy in 2007. Fast forward a decade to 2017, and he decided to stay in town and make Kansas City his home. He had two kids, a boy and a girl. Antonio's mom, Jerry, believed he was going places. Antonio Cecil Delane Hughes, CEO. And he's like, why do you name me CEO? I said, because you're going to be a CEO. Because he, he just had the personality of, he knew people from the boardroom to the curb and knew how to interact with people. He was the type of person that you could pick up the phone at midnight, one of his friends, I'm having problems, can you come get me? You know, can you just come and eat with me? so I can talk and cry or whatever you need to do. Very, very, very smart as a whip. Very smart. He's just like a sponge. He can get on that internet and soak up all kind of information. And he had a hard time. He was so smart at school. The teachers would think he was cheating. He was the type of person, <laughs> right. he could look at a math problem and tell you what the answer is, but he couldn't do the steps like step one through five to get to the answer. He would just look at it and be like, well, this is the answer. Antonio's father, Theodore, says his son was also a family man, somebody that you could count on. It didn't matter what Antonio had going on in his life, he put his family first. I was going to come in and check on everybody. If he's not dropping by, if they're out of town, he's calling. And like she said, you can call him any time of the day or the night. Sometimes I'm getting calls and being like, pops you up. You know, but just to drop by, see what's going on, see how you're doing. If 
you need anything, someone you could always call on, someone who's going to always keep you smiling. Yes. And sometimes you wouldn't even know that something might be going on negative in his life because when he shows up, he's going to smile, he's going to joke and laugh, but, you know, keep it moving, as he would say. You know, just one of them, one of those type of people who just all just down to earth, you know, fun loving. Yeah. All that came to an end on Wednesday, May 24th, 2017. Police were called to a home near 57th and Bales around 7.30 that evening. They found Antonio's body in their back patio. He'd been shot several times. Kansas City, Missouri Detective Jeremy Wells was assigned to the case. He says there's something about this case that feels different from others he's worked. It's something that stayed with them all these months later. The one thing that, that was kind of that stood out a little bit about it is that the victim, Mr. Hughes' vehicle, was parked in the driveway of that residence. Um, and it was running, uh, music was still on. And later it was determined that there was someone that lived at the residence that he knew um, and was an acquaintance of. A lot of the evidence that we have seen is it, it does seem that someone had to have known that's where he was at. Hunted. That means someone watched Antonio. That person knew exactly where he'd be and how to take his life. Crime scene techs spent hours gathering evidence at the house on Bales Avenue, and Detective Wales pounded the pavement, hoping to find other clues that would help him catch a killer. So far, he's come up empty. Unfortunately, most people that we talked to, uh, it was, I heard the shots, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, don't know anything about that residence. An attempt to find any kind of video up and down that block, anywhere around there, uh, was met with negative results. Detective Wells says there was one person who happened to witness the shooting, but that witness could only provide a vague description. So vague, it hasn't really helped the detective. A witness who was unable to identify any of the suspects that he saw was able to give a brief description of a uh, blue or dark colored uh, four-door Chevy Malibu or Impala. Uh, in that vehicle, uh, he described the driver's side window being partially down and being able to see a black male driver, but could give no more description other than that. Um, the shooter that he did see, he stated, uh, was a, a heavier set black male. As far as height, he wasn't real he said somewhere between 5'8 and 6 foot, was observed chasing Mr. Hughes uh, to the backside of the uh, residence where he was located. So not only did the gunman hunt Antonio, the gunman also chased him as he ran for his life. Theodore and Jerry say that's one reason it makes Antonio's murder so difficult to deal with. They loved him so much and he was everybody's friend. That's why both Jerry and Theodore believe this crime hits close to home. Yeah, somebody mm -hmm. called him to come back to the house because the friends he was staying with, they said he, he just came from over that area. And as he said, he walked in the house, wasn't there a good 10, 15 minutes. He said, I gotta go back over here again, see what's going on. That's the creepy part. He wouldn't go unless he knew you. So for him to go somewhere, he had to have known that person. Both of Antonio's parents knew something was wrong, that something had happened long before Detective Wells ever arrived to confirm their fears. I saw something on the news and I'm like, well, I know my son is usually in that neighborhood. Let me call him. And I called him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, son, you know, you need to call me back. I'm checking on you because, you know, all, all my kids know you need to check in. 
and then I saw it on the news also. So I didn't know that was Antonio at the time, but as soon as I saw it, this first time I had this reaction, I saw it and I was like, I have to go home, because I wasn't home at the time. I said, I gotta go. I just knew I needed to be home. It's just, you know something's wrong. You know, and like, he leaves two kids behind. Antonio also leaves behind four siblings, and of course, his parents. The loss is something they all continue to struggle with. Antonio's father, Theodore, says he didn't know agony like what he's feeling actually existed before someone killed his son. It's a continuous source, like somebody just digging in a wound, because your mind's going to keep on trying to put it back together, figure out this, figure just because all you want is an answer. We can't bring it back, but we would just like an answer as to what happened. One of the biggest problems I see that we're having and the inability just to have a conversation, discuss things, to work things out. Because this doesn't, doesn't work out anything for anybody. This can really turn your world upside down from a place you may not recover from. And we have to think about that because like we, we're a big family. This has rippled through easily 50 to 100 people. Easily, most of them right here in this community. Antonio's mom, Jerry, points out that just like many of us, they never had to deal with murder. No one had ever been murdered in their family before. So the emotions are raw and unknown to them. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out what to do with it. We're in a spot that we don't know how to feel. You don't know what to think. Jerry also has similar feelings to other families dealing with loss. There are times when she just thinks this is all a horrible dream and Antonio will just show up. You sit around and you, like where I live at, you know, it's like he's gonna pull in the alley, you know, any day now, for the, especially for the first year. It's like, oh, he's coming home, you know, he's gonna come home. But then you realize he ain't coming home. Then, just as quickly, the emotions come flooding back. I don't even wish this on the people who killed my child. Exactly. I, I don't wish this on them. I don't wish that on their mothers or none of their family. This is a pain that you can't describe it. No. It, it's never gonna go away. No. But for the mothers that are protecting your children and you know your children, you, you know your children. You know if they've done something right or something wrong. You're not helping protecting them. You're not helping the community situation. You're not even helping your child. I give you a suggestion. Turn him in. Take the $10,000 and get him a good lawyer. Think about it. You know, but you have to, it has to stop. Detective Wells says he knows Antonio's family is hurting and they're facing horrible pain. But he says he can't ease it alone. He needs the right person to come forward. Just someone to, to step up and, and tell us exactly what they know. And unfortunately, that, that kind of puts people in the limelight. That, that means they have to come forward and, and possibly have to go to court. They, and it's a scary thing. It's scary for us, uh, scary for the family. And that is a lot of times what we need, is just that one person who is willing to say, you know, this was someone's loved one. This is a family member of someone. What would what would I want to happen if it was my family that this happened to? Antonio's father points out that you never know if you'll be in the same position that they're in right now, waiting for someone to do the right thing because they never thought they'd be here either. 
we're, we look at friends as family. You're either family or you're not. I don't have, I might have, I have a lot of family that I'm don't, there's no blood relation, but that's, we look out for their family, they look out for ours. When they say it takes community, that's how we try to live. Don't wait till it hits home at your house to think about how much it really affects other people. None of us condone anyone getting murdered. Your mother wouldn't defend men who murder children. So why should you? And they have a, they have a witness hotline. You do not have to leave your name. I know in the, in the neighborhood, they talk about this no snitching, but when we don't have justice and there's no other option, tell on somebody. Somebody, because it, it was, this was during, happened during the day. There were people outside. There's more information out there. More people know than what's being said. And I understand being scared for retaliation or any other reason, but when you have a hotline that you can call in and it's not known, you know, it won't make public record in any shape, form or fashion. Just to, if we're gonna heal the pains in our community, they start with us receiving justice. And that partially has to do with the people in the community helping justice happen. Detective Wells seconds that. He also says if you have the information they need to solve the case, he can and will help you in return. What people understand is, is when they come in and they talk to us, that does not immediately go out to everyone. Um, that's something that we have to take to a prosecutor and then we as detectives, as our sergeants, as a police department, it's, it's our job to also help them to kind of combat what they may deal with outside of uh, the courtroom and things of that nature. Um, I can only imagine what it's like to have to be the one that, that goes into court and testifies as to what you do or don't know. Just remember that that's someone's loved one, that's someone that means something to another person. And uh, imagine what it would be like if that, that tragedy happened to your family. What would you hope for the public or someone who knows to, to do? You would hope that they would come forward and say something. Um, at least I would hope that that's what the general public would want, is someone to come forward and say, this is, this is what I know. If you have the tip that Detective Wells needs to solve the murder of Antonio Hughes, his help isn't the only thing you'll receive. That information may also be worth $25,000. All you need to do to earn the cash is pick up the phone, call the tips hotline, and give your tip. Crime stoppers, I may help you. You don't even have to leave your name. You can also email your tip to kccrimestoppers.com or send your tip through the Crime Stoppers app. You can download it at p3tips.com. To listen to other episodes of Fox 4 Crime Files, you can search for them on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as fox4kc.com. For Fox 4 Crime Files, I'm Kara Small.